the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg. And welcome in inside the Hoppy Kerchival Building. It is Panhandle Live for the second day of November 2023. Luke Wiggs and Marsh Kavalik hanging out with you on a Thursday. Plenty of sports that we just covered in Panhandle Sports Live. If you missed any or part of that show, we'll post it a little bit later on on our Spotify page. Ironically, some of that sports conversation is going to continue when we get to talk to State Attorney General Patrick Morrissey coming up here in just a couple of moments. We're also going to be chatting with new Martinsburg City Manager Andy Blake coming up bottom of the hour and uh, potentially more guests on the horizon as well. But uh, I'm joined by Marsh Kavalik in studio. Marshall, how are you today? I'm, I'm faking it till I make it. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little looking, bit dinged up here on a Thursday. Oh my gosh, yeah, I have a headache, and anyone who gets headaches knows that just kind of, uh, it's hard. It's hard when you've got one of those. Um, but yeah, looking forward to talking to the AG. Lots of news. Unfortunately, one of the uh, top items is that uh, a lady who'd been missing, uh, her her remains have been found. Um, the state police, uh, reporting from the journal, indicates that the state police. Uh, were tipped off that uh, her remains had been found, and they did identify her. No suspects have been have been uh, named in this, uh, but I think you've got the story up there. Uh, yeah, so, and you can read a little bit more on this at PanhandleNewsNetwork.com, but a body of a woman who'd been missing for days uh, was found on the side of Dam 4 Road on Friday. And as you mentioned, first reported by the Martinsburg Journal, it was identified as Veronica Ruth Gladden, who was last seen Sunday, the Sunday prior, and had been reported missing by her family back on October 24th. Uh, the next day, a fisherman located Gladden's wallet underneath a bridge on Scrabble Road near Martinsburg while searching the area, and police found clothing and other personal items belonging to Gladden. Uh, her body was found and reported to the Charlestown Detachment of the West Virginia State Police on Friday afternoon. Officers responded, secured the area, and identified the victim. And uh, as of yesterday afternoon, and uh, as you mentioned this morning as well, there are still no suspects in relation to Gladden's death. Yeah, I'm so sorry for, for the family. That's that's so disturbing. So I'm sure we'll be learning more about that. But, of course, the journal broke that overnight. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention, and um, this uh, I don't have a story up about this, but we'll have guests on tomorrow, that the um, the Martinsburg Veterans Day Parade is, uh, is coming to town um, on the 11th. And then, as we mentioned with the Martinsburg Parks and Rec folks, they're having a special ceremony at War Memorial Park on the 11th as well. Related topic, a a bunch of uh, kids in the school systems in the panhandle and the public school system will have the Friday before that, the 10th off in observance of Veterans Day. All right, there you have it. Also, we continue our... uh uh, to tell you that the Morgan County Sheriff's Department is uh, still dealing with some staffing issues because of uh, some illnesses. So for people trying to get in touch with the sheriff, the chief deputy, and deputies as well, you can reach them by contacting the dispatch, and that number is 304-258-0305. 
And again, just a little understaffed there in Morgan County. Uh, the number to call there to get in touch with law enforcement is 304-258-0305. Now, a better segue that I just completely dropped the ball on, Marshall, we're talking about Veterans Day, mm-hmm. uh, is we had some guests from the VA Medical Center. Their public affairs specialist, Lonis Lazinski, was a guest on Panhandle Live just a couple of days ago, another episode that you can find on our Panhandle News Network Spotify page. They have an upcoming Heroes to Haven event, and uh, she spoke about exactly what that event entails. Saturday, what our staff is going to be doing is traveling to homeless shelters in the local area, Martinsburg, Hagerstown, Frederick, Maryland, and finding our homeless vets, offering them the opportunity to come to the VA. We offer them transportation. We bring them to the VA, offer them their flu and COVID vaccinations. And we, you know, talk about, um, you know, their nutrition and we focus on um, things that they may need in order to survive if they choose to stay out of doors or offer them better support so that they can then move forward. So this is an event that's been going on for a while. Sources are saying this is the 15th time that they've had the Heroes to Haven event. For those of you that are interested in uh, donating your time or resources or money, anything like that, uh, they gave a number to call as well. Giving out a lot of phone numbers today, a lot of numbers, 304-263-0811, extension 3310. For those interested in getting involved uh, in this Heroes to Haven event, 304-263-0811, extension 3310. Uh, And another uh, awesome event trying to take care of uh, men and women that have uh, given up so much already in service to their country. And the, the VA Medical Center in Martinsburg, <clears throat> excuse me, has a 22-county catchment area that uh, spans four different states. So I'm sure, you know, she mentioned there Frederick and Hagerstown and Martinsburg, of course. Um, so they'll be, they'll be fanning out to a lot of different areas and, um, you know, trying to reach out to folks who, who may not be actively getting services but who deserve them. Um, and, you know, some of them may end up getting housed as a result of this. Um, some of them may not choose to, but as she said, you know, they can bring some of some of the, you know, services to them. Absolutely. Now, uh, of course, you can always text us, 304-263-4321. Yet another phone number that we've given out this morning. Had a text that we got in the dying minutes of yesterday's show we weren't able to react to. We were talking to members of the Martinsburg uh, Park and Rec, uh, Berkeley County as well, their system. Uh, and we talked a little bit about sledding. We got an advice from a texter saying a short but exciting sled run at Martinsburg High School near the front parking lot. So, you know, sledding was always something I enjoyed as a kid. Like I mentioned, I remember going up the Law School Hill a couple of times and then going up there and getting kicked off because they didn't want people sledding on Law School Hill anymore or Dorsey's Knob in Morgantown. Um, but the house that I grew up in had a fantastic sledding hill mm-hmm. that was just an absolute bear for my dad to mow through the summer. But you know, it was a little bit high stakes because it would flatten out into my neighbor's yard. Who didn't mind that we were sledding there. And then the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The hillside would just rapidly slope down into mm-hmm. the route that was right in front of oh, our road. That's so good. when you were gaining speed, and of course, when you're a little kid, you want to go as fast as you possibly could. Um, there were times you just kind of had to bail off the sled or else you were going to go over the side and into the road. So you would jump off and it, you know, it'd start with the, you know, you'd go down with dad and he's be like, all right, we're going to jump and you'd take (laughs) off. But then the sled would just become a projectile and launch itself. We never just like rammed it into the side of a car, but we had some very close calls. I'm sure you're right. So, you know, it's great if you know where a good sledding hill Mm. is, that's, that's wonderful. But like I, I think you asked the question. You know, does does the Berkeley, uh, right. Martinsburg, Berkeley County Parks and Rec endorse any or have any sled hills? That would be I'm 
thinking a liability nightmare. <laughs> like they're like, hey, we're opening up this sled for children of all ages to enjoy, you know. Well, you know, someone's it's, it's, it's no different sued. than going up on, a, you know, kids climbing up on monkey bars and falling over, you know, when you open up a playground. There's liability there as well. But I know that every neighborhood has, you know, that one hill and members of the homeowners association will come out and, you know, it's a fun time. Were you much of a sledder back in the day? You know what? I, w- I was, but uh, my brother, who was kind of, a, in retrospect, a bad influence, you know, he would he would encourage me to go really fast. And we had trees at the end of some of our mm. little hills. Um, at one time in, in the neighborhood where I live now, uh, the it, we got so much snow that the road was just closed. No one was coming through. And I remember we took the dog and the kids and we were sledding on our actual road, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. High stakes. Because you didn't, well, you didn't know, it. You, you knew no one was coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I've, you know, when you grow up and you get past the age of sledding, I've gone inner tubing a couple of times. Got a couple of friends that are big time skiers. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten into skiing yet. Oh, I'll I love tell skiing. You. I, the only thing I know is, um, what is it? French fries to speed up and pizza to slow down. When right. you want to slow down, right. you gotta you gotta make the triangle with the skis. Yeah, do you hear people on the, the French fries? Yeah, exactly, Pizza. exactly, exactly. But yeah, we you know it's so much fun around here, and now that it's actually snowed <laughs> a little west of here, there was um, uh, snow on the ground, and in fact, uh, on high school sports line last night, which you could have heard here on WEPM and WCST state soccer tournament is about to kick off here in a couple of minutes. Uh, kick they, off, yeah. You said. There you go, mm-hmm. kick off down in Beckley. Um, there was snow. Uh, there's there's a chance there's going to be snow flurries today in Beckley while they're playing state soccer tournament. And the first game, if I'm correct, is that Spring Mills game that's going to kick here in uh, 45 minutes. Very the the cool. temperatures in Beckley are probably going to be below freezing. Are these men's and women's? Yep. So the boys will play today at 10, and then Hedgesville will play tonight at 7:30. And I mentioned you can we're going to cover those games on our uh, Twitter page at EP Sports Network. Um, but also the, the video productions, Jack Withrow does a very good job. We're going to tweet out those links as well. Uh, so if you want to try to find them and, and watch the games, it's 27 degrees in Beckley right now. Oh, I, playing, that's rough. Playing soccer. I mean, there's not there's not really a sport that's fun. Uh, people might correct me, with the exception of skiing or that kind of thing. I can't imagine there's many sports that, that are fun to play when it's cold. Playing baseball when it was cold was always the worst. Mm-hmm. When you you know you've got an aluminum bat and you make contact with the ball, yeah. that 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 certainly hurts. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how uh, these teams weather the cold in the states. You soccer know, tournament. soccer players are tough. My husband just bundles; he just puts extra layers on. I'm like, well, and that's the it's thing. It's going to snow. He's like, yeah, got a hat. I'm it's fine. not like football where you can. Uh, well, I mean, obviously in, in rec league as well, but it's not like football where you can just wear a hoodie underneath your jersey. Your right. options when you play soccer are limited. You can wear a long sleeve shirt underneath your jersey, mm-hmm. and you can wear gloves and, and that's long, it. long pants. Yeah, or yeah. you can wear leggings, mm-hmm. and that's it. You know, that that you don't have the ex- exactly the same abilities as a baseball or a football player uh, to knock down the elements when but you're playing in this. Sport. I hear all the coaches I've ever met going, ah, once you start running, you'll warm up. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it came to the winter, I always played basketball. So I stayed indoors, kept it simple. All nice right, tactical we- <laughs> move. <laughs> We've got the state soccer tournament underway today. As I mentioned, we're going to be tweeting out the links so you can watch that stuff at our Twitter page at EP Sports Network on Twitter or the X. We've got a break to take coming up on the other side. We're going to be joined by State Attorney General Patrick Morrissey talking about everything that's going on in the regional jail system and as well some really interesting sports angles that you're going to want to uh, stay tuned for as well as Panhandle Live continues here on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Spring. Local news now 
at PanhandleNewsNetwork.com. Now back to Panhandle Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, broadcasting from the Hoppy Kirchival building here in Martinsburg. And Hoppy Kirchival standing by, top of the hour, we'll have another edition of Metro News Talk Line. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care, with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville, online too at countryroads.com today. Our next guest joining us via phone, Marcia, and we've uh, certainly got a lot of interesting topics uh, to cover here over the next 10 or 15 minutes or so. That's right. It's West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Welcome in. Hey, guys, how you doing? I hope it's a good day. Very cold. It's clear that fall has arrived in the mountain state. Yeah, I guess we're due some fall and some cold weather, but uh, how how cold is it where you are? Uh, you know, I woke up today. I was down in Greenbrier County, and it was 18 degrees. <laughs> so uh, how is it in the past? What's the temperature? I think it's 31 right now. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. It is, I think it's now up to about 28. So uh, it's a cold one, but look, uh, this is the beauty of West Virginia. We have all four seasons, which I love. Uh, and, you know, this this time of year and when you see uh, the leaves changing into October, it's pretty amazing. So, uh, you know, it's definitely cold, though. So I wanted to ask you, because I know Luke wants to ask a lot of questions about some of the movement in the sports world, but I wanted to ask you before he gets a chance um to, th- this week, uh, it was revealed that a federal magistrate, Omar Abelhassan, uh, wrote uh, that it defies logic that lost evidence from email accounts, cell phones, text messages, etc., cetera, uh, have been lost in this, uh, ac- this suit against the government of West Virginia regarding the, the conditions at a, a regional jail. Do you have any input in that? What does your office do in regard to suits like that that come in? So uh, we obviously always take a um, look at anything to see, make sure that anyone involved um, is always doing the right thing. And we're always in the process of doing that, especially uh, when that order comes out. You take a very close look and then you're in a position where you can execute. Uh, so uh, we may have more to talk about in the upcoming days, but probably not at this time. Okay, so we know one of the updates, uh, and uh, Metro News has been following this, Brad McElhaney uh, has been writing extensively about it. Uh, Two of the people who um, may have been responsible or uh, been in charge of some of that documentation uh, have been fired. So uh, I know that you are running for the executive branch of West Virginia. You want to be governor. Um, Is do you feel as though um, there are holes in the way that some of this has been handled? Uh, I know you can't comment a lot on the suit, but uh, you know, would a Morrissey administration have handled some of this differently? Uh, here's what I would say, and I'm going to uh, not comment on the specifics right now, and we'll be able to get back to you on that. But I would say that I think it's important for uh, anyone who's going to be uh, running uh, all these different state agencies uh, to really do an analysis, do a top-to-bottom audit, not only in terms of the finances, but in terms of the management practices and uh, how the railroad is being run. And I think people should expect that uh, when I'm serving as the next governor. So I think that's the key thing, that you have to uh, do a uh, bottom-to-top review, and you have to make sure that best practices are in place, the right policies and procedures are in place, and obviously you want to attract uh, the best possible managers to carry out your vision 
for a, a particular agency. And, and I uh, am a big believer in that. Uh, that's what we've done in the AG's office, in all the different divisions that we have. And I think that uh, you would expect to see that same approach applied uh, broadly uh, into the future. So I think that, you know, West Virginians expect that uh, you're going to have problem solvers. Um, mistakes happen, and that's always unfortunate, but it's also human. And so you look to then always learn from mistakes and try to uh, get better and better uh, to make sure you're serving the people in the best way possible. Well, switching gears to the world of collegiate athletics, obviously people that are familiar with WVU sports saw that uh, the the transfer waiver uh, applied for by Raekwon Battle was denied. And uh, interesting precedent set by other state attorney generals. I believe it was North Carolina in the Tez Walker situation that first wrote their attorney general an open letter to the NCAA to talk about, you know, reviewing that transfer request. And you have done the same for Raekwon. And I think that in your letter, sir, you put, put out some really interesting points you know, the inconsistency of the NCAA, number one. And number two, if there was ever a reason for a player to transfer for a second time, Raekwon would have as good of reason as any because his coach was fired. Similar to Jose Perez, whose coach was also fired and his transfer waiver was also denied. Uh, so can you talk a little bit more about uh, uh, what you had wrote and what you had discussed with the NCAA? Absolutely. So I think the part that it's important for all West Virginians to know is that uh, Raekwon uh, not only needs basketball, but he's had to overcome a lot in his life uh, in terms of growing up on a Indian reservation and uh, having a lot of personal challenge and the turmoil, members of his family passing away, friends passing away. And so this is someone who's had to overcome a lot, and, and basketball has really been a saving grace uh, for him. And uh, the West Virginia University coach uh, has gone out and he visited him, uh, and he knows about Indian reservations. He knows these issues. And so I think that this fit between Raekwon and WVU, um, it's not going to provide you know, this competitive advantage. It's going to provide an opportunity to put the best interest of the student-athlete first. And that's part of what we wrote. Uh, with respect to Raekwon's uh, waiver application. And the reason why the Attorney General's office gets involved is because we are charged with enforcing antitrust laws uh, in our state. And when anybody says to any person that you can't uh, participate for a year, you can't earn money for a year, that's potentially restraint of trade and potentially violative of antitrust rules. And so then you have to analyze from there uh, what are the pro-competitive benefits, what's the harm uh, to the citizens. And certainly we're doing that. And we took the time to point out what we thought were the inconsistencies in how the NCAA has been interpreting their transfer policy. And I hope that uh, the NCAA finds that compelling. I can tell you that uh, we always start by trying to work with people in a collaborative manner to address the concerns raised in the letter. Uh, we also reserve the right to use uh, all options uh, to protect our state and enforce our laws. And that's the place we're in now. But we think that Raekwon's story is compelling. It deserves to be uh, told. And uh, we're going to make sure that the right things happen here. 
Well, speaking of those antitrust laws, uh, another thing that your office has been involved in is Major League Baseball and uh, their immunity or so from those certain antitrust laws. Of course, people remember in the last couple of years, uh, let, uh, Major League Baseball wanting to limit the amount of minor league baseball teams that each program had in an effort to save money, limiting teams to just a handful apiece. I believe it's four. And that came at a casualty of multiple ma- minor league baseball teams across the mountain state, Morgantown, yeah. Charleston, Beckley. You know, when the dust settled from all of those teams being eliminated from the minor league baseball pyramid, West Virginia was left completely in the dark. Well, that's right, and that's one of the reasons why we weighed in. This is a good example where people say, well, once again, why would you weigh in? Well, if you end up losing minor league teams because of an exemption that was created by the court back in 1922, and that's when the Supreme Court said that baseball games were outside the reach of U.S. antitrust laws, Uh, we think that that should be revisited and that they should reconsider this exemption. And that could have a very uh, important impact on uh, Charleston and uh, Bluefield and Princeton and uh, Morgantown. And uh, we think that matters. It matters economically, the real jobs. And, uh, you know, look, sports employs a number of people. And it's important that all of the laws of our state are enforced. And that's what motivates me to get involved in this. And there's a coalition of 17 states asking the high court to reconsider Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption, once again arguing that because it was court-made, that it really should be revisited and it shouldn't preempt state antitrust enforcement, um, that we need to have the ability to protect uh, competition in our state and I think if we had a different law in place, then we wouldn't have lost all those minor league teams. Our guest this morning is West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Uh, Before we let you go, is there anything else you want to let our listeners know about? Yeah, just the other piece that came up last week is that we argued in the Fourth Circuit uh, to uh, really enforce a West Virginia law that said that a biological male should not play sports uh, with women. And we thought this was a matter of basic fairness and common sense. And so uh, last Friday, we argued in the Fourth Circuit. It's a pretty big deal. A lot of people expect that this case uh, may be the first case on uh, protecting women's sports to go up before the high court in a substantive manner. And uh, we, you know, there, we know that they had looked at some procedural issues uh, before. Uh, but we believe that the law that was passed is permissible, it's constitutional, that the state has the ability to try to uh, ensure that uh, women's sports uh, can exist and that there are basic fairness, uh, there's basic fairness in place and that there are differences between males and females and that that can be reflected in the laws that are created in our state. So uh, we went, we did the argument, we think we're correct on the law. If uh, people want to look, we have submitted thousands of pages of evidence about the differences between men and women in terms of performance. We've submitted many uh, docket entries to the court, and we think this is one where we should prevail, uh, but we're going to have to wait for the court to respond to this. And then separately, I would just say that we're also continuing to work to protect uh, West Virginia jobs from a lot of the Biden administration mandates out there, especially this move to electric vehicles, where they want to have 67 percent of Americans on electric vehicles by the end of the decade. 
and they want to do it while eliminating natural gas plants and coal-fired power plants. And that just doesn't work with the power grid. And so we've been busy trying to protect jobs and uphold our laws, and we're going to keep going. Attorney General Patrick Morrissey, how can folks find out more or get in contact with your office? Yeah, people can always go to our website at wvago.gov, or they can um, call our office, 304-558-2021. And uh, I'm excited to be coming back to the Eastern Panhandle this weekend. So maybe we'll get to see some people out and about on Saturday when I'm in Jefferson and Berkeley counties. Well, hopefully the weather will be a little warmer, <laughs> but bundle up just in case. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's great to be with you. Thank you. And uh, we'll have some other big news coming up in the next few weeks. There's certainly uh, no lack of things going on, uh, but we're going to have some good, uh, more progress, more news in fighting fentanyl and the, and the drug menace as well. All righty. Well, again, thank you for your time, sir. I hope you stay warm today. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That's uh, State Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Another break to take. Uh, We're going to be joined by Martinsburg New City Manager Andy Blake on the other side. You're listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg, it's Panhandle Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, broadcasting from the Hoppy Kirchival building here in Martinsburg. Of course, Hoppy Kirchival standing by. Top of the hour, have another edition of Metro News Talk Line. As the conversation continues here on WEPM and WCST. Um, and if you missed our conversation with West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey, you can revisit that on our Panhandle Live Facebook and Spotify page. Marsha, we're trending towards a, a pretty hot-button on-air discussion one day between you and me. I think our opinions on when we should start playing Christmas music are just drastically different. Why are you, why are you triggered? All I was doing was saying <laughs> that I enjoy some Christmas music, and, and we're going to have them soon. We're going to have those songs soon on our big... Uh, today's ninety-seven I'm a big station. December first guy. I'm gonna set. I'm gonna put my line in the sand. I'm a big December first to December twenty-fifth kind of guy. It's, that and that's fine. I respect that. <laughs> Why can't you respect that? I I enjoy a good Bing Crosby song November second. I mean, people start firing up Mariah Carey November first. I it's, it's, saw it's the just, meme that she's been defrosted, <laughs> <laughs> and it just goes downhill from there. Well, I you know, I I think. I think I might have someone on my side because uh, new Martinsburg city manager, Andy Blake came in with this beautiful red vest on and, and it reminded me of Christmas. So um, you want to weigh in on that controversy first? Well, I start worrying about Christmas on July 4th Oh, Mm. and November 1st, I go to total freak out mode. (laughs) So I'm there. I mean, I'm just there. That wasn't the answer. I was was expecting, I look forward to Christmas, but you're, you, when you say you worry about it, is that under your official capacity, or are you no. just worried about my getting... personal capacity? Okay. You got my that... boys, my wife, the gift anxiety. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, okay. so it's coming. You know, th- that's why God made um, convenience stores and on Amazon. December 24th. <laughs> <laughs> Same day delivery, baby. So uh, four four days in. Yes, ma'am. How's it going? Well, great so far. I think um, you know the good news is that I've been here for three and a half years, and I. As you said earlier, I knew where the bathrooms were. Right. So that was the good first step. You know, I'm really excited about this. I'm honored that the mayor and council has entrusted me to, um, on behalf of the city's 18,000 residents, hundreds of businesses, our many constituents, 
to take the lead. I'm fully aware that I'm taking over after a 26-year tenured city manager. I'm trying to make a smooth transition. No earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a very good staff. You know, our number one job as a city is to provide quality, efficient services. That requires people. And uh, people require, you know, that requires, you know, uh, funds. And and so, you know, our mission is to provide quality, efficient services, whether it's policing, EMS, fire, garbage, water, the gamut. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Well, now, be- before we tackle some serious issues, I wanted to ask you this. Does Did you have to move offices? Do you have your name on the door now? Was that a transition or are you in the same space? So I did not move offices because, as you know, you know, we're going through a city hall renovation project. Okay. And I'm not moving twice in six months. So <laughs> I stayed where I am. And, uh, you know, the, the ladies at the office have tried to get me to move, but I'm just fine right where I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not moving twice in six months That's or seven. Another wise decision. Absolutely. So I should say, you know, having having known you, and I know that as, uh, you know, the assistant city manager, um, you know, you've not been just reactive. You've been proactive. Some of the things that you've, you know, been around the town and you said, oh, this needs, you know, like the frog hollow spur. Um, you saw that and, and you got the ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, you know, we do have daily services that we need to, um, you know, provide our citizens. But we also need to take proactive measures to make this a thriving community that people want to live, work, play, recreate. And so we do have some quality projects. You know, Frog Hollow, we've, we've talked about this, was the first phase. You know, we have a TA grant to hopefully extend this Creekside to Oatsdale Park. You know, one of the things that I wanted to do when I came on board and we have a concept for it is Lake Thomas. I would love to open up Lake Thomas as a recreational passive area. I mean, it's 20 some acres in the middle of the city. Um, it's something that's very unique to to the city. And I think it would be a great recreational opportunity. I think that we need to focus on some of that stuff while remaining our, our central core of providing quality services. And I think we can do both. Does the city own Lake Thomas? Yes, we've owned it since uh, I think nineteen the 1930s. And wow. the quarry, I think, closed in 1926. So it's been sitting there for a century. Our guest this morning, new city, man- uh, city manager of Martinsburg, Andy Blake. Um, when you talk about some of the things that we need to offer as a city to the citizens, uh, obviously a lot of work is going on at the old interwoven mill. The monument company is, is, and I'm sure, you know, in your position, you get a chance to tour some of the places before the rest of us get to see them. Um, But offering affordable housing, not just housing units, but affordable housing is also a big concern. It's a huge challenge. And, you know, sometimes government doesn't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers, but we can work with partners and we're willing to work with partners to try to solve that challenge. I don't have all the answers today. Affordable housing is going to continue to uh, be a problem. And here's the double-edged sword. When you try to make your community even better and people want to locate here, it drives uh, housing prices even up. You know, the interwoven, you know, that's a private sector development. And so, you know, they're spending almost over $100 million on that. So in order to get their investment back, they're going to have to have market rate uh, rents. There's no way that, you know, there's no way that a subsidized project can work like that when you have that much investment. Now that project's market rate, but that doesn't mean that there can't be affordable housing opportunities in other part of the of, of the city and the county, frankly. And that's something I think that uh, is going to be a challenge moving moving forward. I mean, we want to be we want to attract people here, but we want them to be able to live here, work here, and have affordability. 
And that's, that's a, that's a tough, you know, we're not the only community that's going through that challenge. Absolutely. So when, when you put your hat in the ring as the, you know, you were assistant and then you put your hat in the ring to be the full-time city manager of a city like Martinsburg, you must've had some ideas like, you know, here's what I could do. Here's what I could put my stamp on. Um, What are you thinking uh, the city should be concentrating on moving forward? Well, the first thing, and I mentioned at the very beginning is the city only works well if you have quality people working for the city. So, you know, the labor market remains a challenge and we need to make sure that we can stay competitive within the labor market. So we're attracting top quality um, candidates and retaining the people that we have. We have some very experienced professional people that do great services for the city every single day. So that's something that's going to that we're, that's going to be my priority to make sure that we stay com- competitive. You know, when I put my hat in the ring, um, um, I was interviewed by the council. Because I wanted to make sure that I was a fit for them, and they were a fit for me. I did not want to come into a situation where we 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 didn't have a fit. So I I put together, and you know, the city is celebrating its 250th birthday in 2028. It's coming up, and I tried to put together and analyze and submit a five-year plan to them that went through each department and what I think that we should do over the next five years. Before I put my hat in the ring, I tried to visit every department head and sit down and say, okay, before I do this, I want to make sure that I have the support. I want to make sure that we can work together. And I want to make sure that we understand what this plan is moving forward. And over the next, you know, few weeks, I'll be sitting down going over, you know, the plans I put in place with the, with the council because I wanted the council to know what I was thinking more importantly, I want to know what they were thinking and I want to know what their expectations were because, you know, ultimately they're the ones that are the policymakers. They're the ones that set the direction. My job is to execute it. My job is to manage the budget. My job is to oversee the employees. But our ultimate job is to make good, solid recommendations to the council and to execute their policy and directions. Uh, We've had Martinsburg Police Chief on Eric Gibbons talking about potentially some new stop signs and some new things in in terms of traffic flow. Is that something uh, our listeners could expect to see change over the next couple of months? And when it comes to analyzing traffic patterns, it's not just as simple as you walking out with a wooden post and a sledgehammer and putting down a stop sign. I mean, there's a lot that goes (laughs) into that process. Yeah, there is. And, you know, I'll say Chief Gibbons is doing a great job. Chief Gibbons has been on on the job for three months now, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, time flies, so... You know, and, and I will say that, you know, Mark, who was here, you know, for 26 years, and I was talking to you a little bit off mm-hmm. the air, he knew going into this, he was retiring. And he, you know, to large credit to him and real thanks to him, he said, these are going to be your decisions moving forward, and I need your involvement on who to choose. And together, we chose a consultation with the mayor, Chief Gibbons. He's doing a great job. Chief Gibbons is analyzing different things, just like me in a new position mm-hmm. looking trying to take a fresh perspective on things, so is Chief Gibbons. So, yes, you're going to see some new stop signs. You're going to see some new traffic patterns. I think you're going to see that he wants to reduce some speed limits in some areas. You know, and I will say about Chief Gibbons, you know, uh, I don't think that he has been shy about um, his uh, personnel uh, shortage over there. He's doing a great job uh, recruiting some new officers, and I believe in talking to our, our HR director, who, who, by the way, has only been here for the last couple of years, just doing a great job. There's a lot of there's a lot of fresh faces at city in this city, um, which is good. Um, but um, you know, I think there's eight 
officers in process now to be hired, which is fantastic. So uh, kudos to not only Chief Gibbons, but his entire team over there that's trying to to work to get us back up to where we need to be. There's so much involved in, in being at, in a leadership role in a city like Martinsburg, which is, you know, one of the larger cities in the state. Yes. Uh, we've, we get a lot of press releases from the, the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office and, of course, the local sheriff's office and, and MPD about uh, busts that they've done trying to clean up uh, drug activity. Uh, is that something that's on your radar in a way of cleaning up and, and attracting, um, you know, good, wholesome enterprises to the city that aren't scared off because there might be an underbelly? That's always on the radar. And Martinsburg has made incredible progress. And so has Berkeley County. Kudos to Berkeley County about the opioid issues. You know, in the early, what, 2010s or something, you know, Martinsburg was sometimes referred to Little Baltimore. I do not think that's the case anymore. I think the investment downtown, I think that that is verifying that that is the case. You know, the county and the city, along with every other municipality and county, has now got opioid settlement money. It's going to be an opportunity in the future to try to make more of a dent. The Martinsburg Initiative is doing a great job on that. And let's not forget, I mean, the police department is actively, you know, working on the supply side of of this issue on a daily basis. So, you know, that's a challenge that's been there. That's a challenge that needs to continue to be addressed. And, you know, there's still way too many opioid overdoses. It's unacceptable. I mean, it's completely unacceptable. Again, not solely a government solution. I mean, um, it's going to require and it takes a lot of partnerships. And it's just not about going to jail either. I mean, you know, I think that you've had many people on your show over the last few years that have talked about a comprehensive approach to this to this problem. And it affects you know, affects everything. I mean, from the economy to housing to the condition of the family to to the ch- to child. I mean, it is pervasive and it's a problem that can't be ignored. And I think there's some similarities there with tackling that issue and the issue of homelessness as well. You know, it's it's been interesting to see more developments. Uh, the 604 project opening up is a great new opportunity for people in Martinsburg. And, you know, going back to discussions we've had with Chief Gibbons, his effort to not want to, as other cities in the state of West Virginia have kind of done, criminalize homelessness you know as you mentioned there's there's other avenues other than just throwing people in jail there's a rehabilitation aspect and uh just an aspect of trying to make sure that they get care and i i think that's certainly something else uh that's going to be tackled here in the next couple of years so luke when i was growing up my stepmom was the manager of the homeless shelter where i grew up Mm -hmm. i probably had more dinners at the homeless shelter growing up than i did at my house because her shift ended at 4 30 and instead of making dinner there and dinner (laughs) at my house you know Everyone has a story. Everybody, I think, is one tragedy away from being in that situation. So there is a balance between sympathy, empathy, the way to help, and to make sure that, frankly, that downtown is a safe place to shop, live, and, frankly, enjoy themselves. So there is a balance. So I have one more question. You know, you talked about talking to your new co-workers and and constituents well you've got a fairly new constituent here across the the table from you and i one of the concerns that he's brought up this this week that i would never have thought of is um are there any good sledding hills in martinsburg <laughs> or could the city look into that not for me personally necessarily wow that's a great question you know what I'll, I'll be a typical uh, bureaucrat and say, I'll get back to you on yeah, that make uh, a question. little committee about that. 
We'll circle back, certainly. But <laughs> our guest this morning has been uh, New Martinsburg City Manager Andy Blake. Sir, we really appreciate you. Can, can I add just one Absolutely. more thing? Sure. Please. Not only do I thank the mayor and council for this, but I also thank my wife and my boys. Mm. Because this job is not 8 to 4 or 9 to 5. You know, it, it's a lot of responsibility. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to mention this, but someone sent me a link this morning. You know, um, my, my wife is one of the eight uh, women in the United States that has been bri- diagnosed with breast cancer. And it happened right after Mark announced his retirement. And there was a lot of thought about, do we do this? And a lot of conversations, because I want to make sure that I'm fully committed to the constituents and to the employees of the city of, of Martinsburg. I have a platform a little bit in this job where I get to speak to the public. So I'm going to just say this. I hope that the ladies, and frankly the guys, get their annual screenings for mammograms, prostate cancer, and everything else. It's really important because, you know, cancer, it sucks. The process sucks. So I thank my wife, I thank my boys for allowing me to take this opportunity. And I just want to say I encourage everyone out there to get their annual screenings. It's really important because early detection is important to make sure that we can beat beat this. And, of course, our best wishes for your wife as she you know, wages this battle and all the support that she has from her family. Uh, and, and we really appreciate you taking some time to be with us this morning. No problem. We've got one more break to take. We'll wrap up the show in just a moment here on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg, it's Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network. Dying moments of another edition of Panhandle Live, broadcasting here in uh, Martinsburg from the Hoppy Kerchival Building. As always, Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online to a Country Roads Tire Dot com today. Really quickly, programmers note over on our sister station, 95.9 The Big Dog, we'll have another edition of the Ernie McCook Show tonight, 7.30. We're going to be joined by soon-to-be Hall of Fame and former head football coach of the Shepherd Rams, Monty Cater. So you're not going to want to miss that conversation. Also, over on our Twitter page, we're going to be updating you on the state soccer tournament. That's going to kick off here in just a couple of moments uh, with Spring Mills first up in the, the frigid conditions down there in Beckley. <laughs> and we've got high school football coming on tomorrow, uh, a 7 o'clock kickoff uh, of that game between uh, Musselman and Parkersburg. But, uh, Marcia, two really interesting conversations to be had today. Of course, we just spoke with new Martinsburg manager Andy Blake and uh, Attorney General Patrick Morrissey as well. Which was sports-heavy. That conversation was was interesting. So Hoppy will be on the road today. He's doing a show uh, remotely from the Southern Municipal League meeting, and uh, I I know he sent the the, uh, agenda out there. Uh, No, I don't see it. Anyway, but he'll be talking. I'm sure they'll be talking about the uh, the lawsuit against the state government regarding the conditions at the Southern Regional Jail. I'm sure that it will be top of mind. And he always has a lot of uh, you know federal um, national guests on. So um, yeah, it'll be a good listen. So as I mentioned, our guest today is uh, West Virginia Attorney General General Patrick Morrissey and uh, Martinsburg City Manager Andy Blake. If you missed any or part of those interviews. We're going to post them a little bit later on today on our Panhandle News Network Spotify page. This has been another edition of Panhandle Live. We'll be uh, back to wrap up the week tomorrow on a Friday edition. You're not going to want to miss that, and you're not going to want to miss old Harvey who comes your way here in about five or six minutes. It's Glenn Miller and his Air Force Orchestra and the St. Louis Blues March to play us off today. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.